This is Chris Ryan, your host uh, for another episode of Tangentially Speaking. Thank you for joining me. The sun just came out in Portland, Oregon, but it's still raining, which means there's probably a rainbow out there somewhere. Um, This week's guest is Chris James. He's one of my favorite guests. He's one of my favorite people. He's a super interesting guy. If you haven't uh, heard him in the archives, you haven't been listening uh, long enough to have heard the first episode with him, make sure you go back and listen to that. Well, you'll want to listen to it after you hear this conversation. He's, he's just a fascinating guy. In this, in this uh, conversation, we talk more about what's going on currently in his life. He's a filmmaker. He's a musician. He's touring with a rock band. He's making this amazing, um, he's working on this amazing project about uh, dolphins and their potential for healing humans. Um, and sort of interaction between dolphins and humans. Fascinating stuff. Really interesting guy. Uh, I think you'll agree with me. And uh, I just want to alert you that there is that episode in the archive. So if you want to hear more of Chris, uh, just go find it. I'll put a link to it on the site, chrisryanphd.com. If that's where you listen to the podcast or download it, you'll see the link right there to the earlier episode. Thanks to everybody who's ordering your t-shirts. Mom's sending them out to you, especially... All you Australians, man, you Australians love your T-shirts. I got to say, it's uh, it's interesting. I don't know. I'm, I've got the number somewhere, but uh, I don't know what percentage of the audience for this podcast is in Australia. It can't be more than 5%, but it seems like, you know, 40, 50% of the shirts that my mother is sending out are going to Australia. So cool. Uh, if you see someone else in Australia wearing one of those shirts, say hi to each other, you know, and, and, you know, maybe you'll like fall in love and have kids and name them all Chris and Casilda. I've got some great episodes coming up, uh, in the next few weeks that are already in the can. I just had, uh, two days ago, had a great conversation with, um, Dan Carlin, who's the host of, uh, Hardcore History. And he also does a podcast called Common Sense very cool guy, very funny, smart, passionate, uh, fascinating character. Uh, so we had a lot of fun doing that one. And then um, I I met with Franz Duvall uh, last week. He was in town. Um, he and his wife were traveling through Oregon, and he was kind enough to make a little time for me and uh, went down to his hotel, and uh, we sat in the lobby and had a conversation, and uh, I recorded uh, most of it. And so that was interesting. So one of the world's foremost experts on primates, um, uh, specifically chimps and bonobos, but he's also done research and all sorts of other things. He's the, the head of the Yerkes Primate Center, probably the premier uh, research facility in the world with primates, which is associated with Emory University in Atlanta. Um, fascinating guys, published, I don't know how many, half a dozen, or a dozen probably books and hundreds of uh, scientific papers. Really interesting guy. Um, so that was a fun conversation as well. 
I'm looking forward to getting that out to you. Uh, let's see. I talked uh, a couple, I think last episode or maybe the episode before about the difference between falling in love and being in love and how in some ways they're actually in opposition um, to one another. And somebody sent me uh, a very interesting quote from Marie Renier Rilke, who's um, Austrian or German, I'm not sure. Um, <clears throat> interesting guy. My understanding is that he was raised as a girl until he was six or seven years old. His mother really wanted a daughter, which is why they named him Marie. Um, and w- which sounds really weird, you know, to raise your son as a girl, dressing him in you know little dresses and all that kind of thing. But apparently that was not particularly uncommon 100 or 150 years ago. Um, in fact, let's see, I can think of off the top of my head, I, I can think of two American men who were raised as girls. One was Ernest Hemingway, uh, who had a sister and the two of them were raised as two little girls and his mother called him Ernestina. (laughs) And then of course, you know, he grows up to be this sort of, uh, the prototype of the macho, hyper macho dude with the guns and the safaris and the bullfighting and all that shit. Um, And then the other example I can think of, not coincidentally, is another icon of American masculinity, uh, which is John Wayne. He also was raised as a girl uh, for his early childhood. So there you go. I don't know. Do with that what you will. It certainly shows some... uh, intense Freudian underpinnings to Western society, whether that's uh, whether Freud discovered it or caused it, I don't know. I mean, there's there's all sort of sorts of self-fulfilling prophecy around Freud, you know, like like I was reading this book on about the penis years ago when I was researching Sex at Dawn. I think it's called A Mind of Its Own. Great, great title for a book about a penis or about penises. But uh in that book, I learned that uh, Freud was, when he was a, a boy, he was a chronic masturbator. Now, of course, you know, this is in a very uh, sex-negative culture, so maybe like he touched his dick once and, you know, that that set off the chronic masturbator thing. But um, anyway, his father, apparently, in order to get him to stop diddling himself, his father told him that if he didn't stop, he'd cut off his dick. Um, which, you know, probably was a common thing to say to kids in those those days. But Freud, of course, took it to heart. And then you know, 30 years later, he's publishing all this research claiming that all boys are terrified that they're going to, you know, someone's going to, the parent, the father's going to cut off their penis. And all boys have this crazy sexual attraction to their mothers. And, you know, and all women are... Um, you know, have penis envy and all girls grow up wishing they had a penis and feeling inferior that they don't. Just shows you how easy it is for a very intelligent person to take his or her personal experience and extrapolate it out and, you know, expand it into these grand theories that then get applied across the planet uh, for a hundred years, you know, it's amazing. And I don't reject Freud completely, as a lot of people do these days. I think he had some brilliant ideas, particularly in terms of the, you know, his civilization and its discontents. He basically argues that 
repressed sexual energy then is harnessed and used to create civilization. I don't completely disagree with that. Um, I think maybe the difference between me and Freud is that he thinks that was essentially a good thing, and I think it's essentially a bad thing. I think we would, um, quite clearly, we would be happier if we had just stuck with the singing, dancing, fucking, eating mushrooms, hanging out by the fire um, than with what we've created but I don't want to get into that. That's that's what I'm writing about these days. Um, anyway, this quote from Rilke is quite beautiful. It's He says, A good marriage is that in which each appoints the other guardian of his solitude. Think about that. That's a beautiful idea that your mate, your partner, your this, this soulmate, this person who really, really knows you is the guardian of your solitude. not They don't invade your solitude. They protect your solitude. They're an integral part of your solitude because they respect it. He goes on, once the realization is accepted that even between the closest human beings, infinite distances continue to exist, a wonderful living side by side can grow up if they succeed in loving the distance between them, which makes it possible for each other to see the other whole against a wide sky. Love consists in this, that two solitudes protect and touch and greet each other. Really beautiful. I mean, you can spend days thinking about this, you know, whatever this is, three sentences here. Um, I'll go back to the second sentence. Once the realization is accepted that even between the closest human beings, infinite distances continue to exist. Once you accept that. And I think that's particularly true with men and women. You know, I, I was talking to a friend the other day. She's, um, again, much much younger than me. And she was asking about my relationship with Casilda and, you know, how we sort of keep it together. And and um, I was trying to explain that you never, and she said something like, well, you know each other so well, there are no surprises, right? And I thought, oh, man, <laughs> no, I don't think you ever know anyone so well that there are no surprises. Particularly, um, across gender, male. I sometimes envy, in fact, Dan Savage and I have spoken about this several times. You know, sometimes he says he'll be talking with heterosexual people and he'll just think, you poor, poor heterosexual. Because because in, in same-sex couples, there's a, a level of understanding that I think heterosexual couples never get to, for better or worse, just because we're so essentially different um, and, and our way of experiencing the world is so different um, that it's there's just a, there's a, a space that you, you never are going to really fill it in. And I think this is, he, Rilke explains that really beautifully when you accept that there, there's an infinite distance even between the closest human beings. And then a wonderful living side by side can can grow up if they succeed in loving the distance between them, right? Not resenting it, not constantly struggling against it, trying to close that gap, trying to 
um, know each other so perfectly that there's no confusion, there's no um, uh, there, there are no surprises, there's no danger, there's no risk. And I think that's something that Casilda and I maybe it's more difficult in some ways and it's easier in some ways because, you know, we are so different. We're speaking, normally we're speaking in English, which is her seventh language, um, or we're speaking in Spanish, which is her fifth or sixth language. I'm talking about like, you know, when she learned them, you know, how old she was when she really started learning that language. Um she learned Spanish and Catalan in the course of three months when she came to live with me in Barcelona. That, you know, that's amazing. Um, so actually, in that case, then English would be her fifth language and Spanish and Catalan would be six and seven. But in any case, we're speaking a language which is not even close to her mother tongue, whether it's English or Spanish. And... Um, you know, she's from a world that I can't imagine. I, she's got a Muslim Hindu family in Africa, you, you know, in a communist country. It's just, it's so alien. So in addition to the male-female difference, there's huge cultural differences. And um, so it's sort of like accepting that is is part of the deal. You're, you, you don't even think you're going to close that gap, Right. Um, and I think maybe people who have a, a, a relationship where they're both from the same culture, they think they're going to get there. They think they're going to know each other perfectly. And so they feel that it's some sort of a, I don't know, a failure that they never do get there. Um, I would encourage them to not even try, you know, to to come to love the distance, as Rilke says, love the distance uh, value the distance and protect the distance because that moat between the two of you is also a part of the moat that protects the two of you that that includes the two of you it's your that's part of your relationship that silence that distance respect it protect it love it because you know if your partner becomes you then he or she's going to irritate you just as much as you irritate yourself, which is quite a lot if you're like most of us. Um, the other, I got another interesting email from a guy, John. I won't say his last name, uh, but uh, he's, you know, it's sort of a typical email I get, so I thought I'd, I'd share my response with you a little bit. Um, he's uh, 22 years old, college student, studying. He's about to finish college. And he doesn't really know what to do. He's got an under. He's going to have an undergraduate degree, and he says he's in the Midwest. And he says, uh, "I really don't know what I want to do with my life besides get the fuck out of here." <laughs> uh, and he's thinking of moving to California. So I said to him, "I think uh, getting out of there is a great idea, but I'm not sure California is the best option. The shit's about to hit the fan there because they have no water. Right? They're going to have a lot of desperate people." I read the other day they've got uh, estimated one year of water left in fucking California, which is where most of our food comes from. And, you know, it's the size of, of, of a mid-sized European country. It, Population-wise, it's huge. So if they seriously run out of water, that is going to be a major, major national issue. Um, anyway, what I said to him is if I were 22 – Here's what I'd think about doing. I'd think about get a job, 
whatever, two jobs, work my ass off for a year, two years, whatever it took, get uh, enough money, save enough money, live cheap as shit, live in my parents' basement, you know, rent a place with five other people and, you know, sleep on the fucking living room floor. I don't care. I would just work my ass off, save all my money and buy a van, a used van, deck that shit out so it was comfortable to to live in it and that would be my house that's where i'd live and i'd set aside you know a buffer 10 grand whatever repairs gas then i would take that van and i would go and look for a job decide where i wanted to live pick a nice town where i wanted to be whether it's you know a lot of young people are coming to portland i hear um in South Carolina, there's a cool place, you know, maybe New Orleans, you know, go up and get a job in the fucking oil fields in South Dakota or North Dakota. I don't know. But pick a place to go, have this van, have an alarm system because people rip that shit off. But that would be my house. I wouldn't want to pay rent. Don't pay rent. So you get to a place, you get to Portland, you get to wherever you're going and you find people, young people like you, they've got a house, they're all, you know, living paycheck to paycheck and you just make a deal. Like, let me park the van in front of the house. Let me use the, the bathroom and the shower once, twice a day. Maybe the Wi-Fi, you know, and I pay you, what, 50 bucks a week, whatever it is, you know. So you cut your expenses. You got your stuff all in one place. You're ready to move if you want to move. You can follow the weather. You can pick apples. You can do whatever. There's lots of different stuff you can do. But that's a way of sort of like, both, uh, you know, having a place to live and being mobile. And and then what I said to him is like, you know, not paying rent is a huge thing and being able to move and all that is really great. And then try different things until you find something you really love, whether it's, you know, woodworking or, uh, you know, uh, building some other sort of, archi- not architecture, but like uh, gardening, you know, groundskeeping, uh something intellectual, whatever it is, whatever it is that really excites you and you can feel it resonates with you on a deep level. Once you find that, then you chase it down. And the way you chase it down is not by going to college and paying tons of money and getting in debt and getting graduate degrees. I don't think that, I think that's an outdated way of doing things. I think what you do now is you Once you find that, you approach people in that field who are already successful and established. And you approach them with an open mind and you let them see how enthusiastic you are. And you convince them to let you help them. Be an apprentice. Take a night job. Do whatever you have to do to pay the bills. You go to this person and you say, I love what you do. I want to do what you do. I want to learn some of the things that you know and I'll bust my ass helping you if you'll just let me. And so it's an apprenticeship, right? You let them see how excited you are to be helping them to do what they do. And here's the big secret, okay? And now that I'm I'm this age, I'm starting to understand. I'm 53 now. I was always that young student that older professors really went out of their way to help. And and part of me never really understood why. Part of me was like, what's going on? You know, why why is this 
teacher taking so much extra time? Why is Stanley Krippner inviting me to travel all over the world with him? Why, why are these, you know, this teacher I had in college, why does he like take me to New York for the weekend and wander around the city and tell me all about who built that building and what happened here? And why are they taking all this effort with me? And, and as I'm getting older, I'm seeing it from their side. And the secret is that successful people run low on energy and passion after a while for what they do. So it's a huge gift for them to have a young, hungry person around to remind them why they got into this in the first place. Remind them what it is that they actually love about what they do. If you understand that and you're that young person and you approach an older person who's got the money, got the connections, you know, knows how to do what they do, but you remind them why they love it so much and why they started doing it in the first place. That's a symbiotic relationship. You're giving them something really important and really beautiful. And they're giving you something. They're giving you the context. They're giving you the knowledge and the experience. So it doesn't have to be exploitative in either direction. In fact, ideally, and, and uh, in its natural state, I don't think it is exploitative. I think, or if it is, it's mutually exploitative, which isn't a bad thing. So that's my rant for this week. I hope you enjoy this uh, conversation with Chris James as much as I enjoyed having it. Um, And I hope you'll check out the various things going on. Of course, there's the T-shirts at ChrisRyanPhD.com. If you want to make a donation, you can do it there. You can also, if you want to make like a, a recurring monthly donation, I've set up the account at Fund What You Love. You'll see there are, I think, 23 people who have... Um, pledged uh, a little, you know, a couple bucks a month or up to, I think, one person uh, uh, pledged 50 bucks a month, which is really cool. Thank you very much. Um, anyway, thank you to all of you. You'll see there are, there's bonus material, there's stuff I'll send you. I'm, I'm going to make these mashups into MP3 files and I'll send those off to people who support the podcast if you want them as well as talking out my ass, of course. And, uh, okay, thank you, Carsey Blanton. As always, check her out, carseyblanton.com. The theme song at the end of the podcast is Smoke Alarm, because you're going to die one day. And the uh, the little uh, groovy thing at the beginning is from basinandrangeband.com. I can't remember what it's called. Something about pigeons, I think. But anyway, you can check out their music at Basin and Range band.com thanks to shore design t-shirts if you order anything from their site uh use sex at dawn at checkout you get 10 percent off your entire order all right fund what you love that's where you can go and buy me a beer if you want to although i've stopped drinking beer i decided two days ago i'm not going to drink any alcohol until i weigh 190 pounds i now weigh 205 So we'll see how that goes. Wish me luck. Uh, One last thing. I'm going to play you out with a new mashup I just made. It's a hip-hop mashup. And I just want to apologize in advance to anybody who's offended by words like bitches, niggers, and fucking, and whatever. I included one song which which hits a lot of those notes because I think it's, it's one of these tunes 
where the artist is obviously making fun of himself and the genre in which he's singing. It's too short, and the song is, I want to fuck your sister. <laughs> so, like, obviously, he's not taking himself seriously. Uh, I, in fact, I don't think Too Short ever really takes himself particularly seriously. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I hope you won't be offended by that. And if you are, I hope you'll forgive me. All right. Thanks. Catch you next week. Hey, yo, this is the way we lay it down on the L train. But yeah, help me out now. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yo, black, I need help. I mean immediately and right away. Every single day, I swear I'm going to find a better way. My enemies are testing me, dissing me and grilling me. Yesterday, they cornered me and beat me down repeatedly. Imagine me, now it's like I missed the negativity. It's hard when you pack it. Devils start attacking, got no time for running, no time for hiding. Now I got my crew and we about to get violent. So clear the streets, shake the cops, let's go get these bumps. Are you all down? You're nobody better front. Sometimes I am a player, sometimes I am a pawn. No energy to run, but I got to I resurrect myself, Lazarus, he was a man who died Through the power of faith, he gained a rise Open up your eyes and spy from day one, I had to get my money right. Me flying Frankie J, we took an airplane flight, huh? They wanted to hear rap. I said, I right, bet. We dropped the beat, I grabbed a mic, and then they wrote a check. A few cheese for the pocket, no hesitation. Took a flight back to the Golden State, and shops made orders from a whole new capital. The word was getting out, both tastes out rappable. Don't need a clock, but I bought one just in case. I could try to stop me from pursuing my paper chase. Mobbing like a motherfucker, but I ain't lynching Dropping a funky shit that's making a sucker niggas mumble When I'm on the mic, it's like a cookie, they all crumble Try to get close, and your ass will get smacked My motherfucking homie, doggy dog, has got my back The kids of one mother are the same as any other Drop food on the kids while you're murdering their fathers But don't bother to show it on CNN Brothers and sisters don't believe them That it's a war against evil It's really just revenge engaged on the poorest By the same rich men Fight terrorists Wherever they be found But why you not bombing Tim McVeigh's hometown You can say what you want Propaganda television But all bombing is terrorism Barry White Saved my life And if Barry White Saved your life Or got you back with 
but a special shout goes out to them players club right across the water in the biggity biggity oh yeah and last but definitely not least yeah them player clubs they got right there in the san francisco motherfucking bay yeah Broken glass everywhere. People pissing on the stage. You know they just don't care. I can't take the smell. Can't take the noise. Got no money to move out. I guess I got no choice. Rats in the front room, roaches in the back, junkies in the alley with the baseball bat. I tried to get away, but I couldn't get far. 'Cause a man with the tow truck repossessed my car. Well, this is the end. So hear what I say. Hear what I say. So just just to keep it mysterious, I'm going to say it's my birthday. It's amazing that you're choosing to spend that with me doing this. <laughs> <laughs> kind of an honor. Like it's uh, the best birthday present you could have. <laughs> it's well, you, I don't know if you're saying it's an honor for you or you're calling me pathetic. I, 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 think, I think it's a little, a little of both. both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. It's, no, it is an honor for me. Like on your birthday, you want to do this? <laughs> Look, what I've learned from being, uh, you know, FOCJ, friend of Chris James, over the years, is you take what you take it when it's available. Because I don't know where the fuck you're going to be. I got a I got a birthday email from a good buddy of mine this morning. Uh, he said, "Hey, happy birthday!" And he sent a picture of himself. He's on an island off the coast of Gabon. Like what the fuck are you doing yeah, in Gabon? I don't even know how you know? To get there. Yeah, I didn't know where it. I googled it, you know, and like, oh wow, it's like, oh holy shit, man. Right. Yeah, he's actually the island belongs to Equatorial Guinea, but it's off the coast of Gabon. So go figure. Okay. So yeah, sounds good. And I was mean, it a nice email? Do you have anything useful to say? Happy oh, birthday! I'm in, in fucking your face that he was in Gabon. A little of that, yeah. I mean, we, we, he and I have a, you know, you know how it is. There's like an affectionate competitiveness, you know, shit giving kind of quality to male friendship. Yeah. And this guy's been my buddy since we were 15. He taught me uh, to drink beer, uh, something that I thought was cool for the first 10 years, yeah. and now I'm sort of cursing him for. Uh, I, he also taught me to smoke weed. Wow. He was a musician, you know. Yeah. Now, uh, when you're when you're being taught how to smoke weed, yeah. Like, what is that process? In my case, the process was uh, we skipped a day of school, and because I had like tried it a few times, yeah. and I just decided this shit doesn't work. I don't know what everyone's talking about. Right. I don't feel it. Doesn't yeah. work for me, right? And um, and he was like, no, no, you trust me, it works. You just have to like get there. So we skipped a day of school, and we hung out at my place, 
I remember we were in my bedroom. Uh, I had an uh, Onkyo uh, receiver, you know, thing, <laughs> and my turntable and my fancy speakers and all that shit. This was like 1977, something like that. Right. Right. Well, when I was, that would have been when I was, I was 15. Four. Oh. I was four, and you were already getting, you know, convoluted. <laughs> convoluted. <laughs> That's a good word for it. Uh, but, and we just like smoked and smoked and smoked and smoked and smoked. <laughs> and, and eventually you felt something. And eventually I looked at the dial of my receiver and I just thought it was the funniest fucking thing in the world, man. And I can still remember it. There was like some, at, for some reason it looked like a smile or something and it right. just cracked me the fuck up. Yeah. And I was, you know, typical tears running down my face, <laughs> laughing too hard to say anything. <laughs> And he was like, you're there. <laughs> Finally, you made it. Now, of course, he doesn't smoke anymore. He doesn't even drink beer anymore. Uh, you know, he's he's become, he's well into responsible adulthood. Right. He's got kids yeah. who are older than we were at that oh, point. Wow. Oh, wow. He so and he's I, an adult. actually, now here's a funny story. He, his first girlfriend... Now, there are different ways of telling the story, but I guess the, the way I'll tell it is that I sort of lined him up with his first girlfriend. Okay. The other way of looking at it is he stole her from me, but I don't want to be bitter or anything. <laughs> <laughs> so you were giving. <laughs> I was giving. Well, what happened was... But, but that's kind of become a theme of your whole life. Well, that's why I'm saying it's <laughs> yeah. sort of interesting that right. there, there are... Uh, you know, indications of things to come. But what happened was we're in this high school and I, I had, you know, had sex with girls and, and he was, despite him being a musician and into the weed and the beer and stuff. He wasn't pulling. He, well, he was also very religious. Okay. Uh, his parents were war refugees, World War II war refu refugees. I don't want to say too much because I think one of his kids might listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good <laughs> But idea. it's all, I mean, nothing's, it, it's more about privacy. There's nothing negative about him. He's one of my best buddies. But, right. Um, but he was very, like, he was like, love. It's got to be love. Yeah, you yeah. Know? okay, I get you, yeah. And, uh, I still it, feel that. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, this woman moved into our, our area from Belgium. The woman, woman. She was 15 or 16. Right? Yeah. But she sure seemed like a woman to At me. At the time, yeah. And she was a free spirit, wild, kind of European, you yeah, know. Like those Belgians. Like well, Belgians will be. <laughs> and uh, so I hooked up with her immediately. I was like, oh, that's my that's my flavor of the month right there so she and i hooked up and we had a very casual thing we were like friends had fun together had sex but it wasn't nobody was talking about marriage you know right and he was my best buddy so the three of us hung out a lot yeah and she loved him he because he was just a lovely guy he still is and so one weekend the three of us were supposed to go down to new york city together we lived in connecticut and for some reason i couldn't make it and they went without me and by the end of that weekend, they were in love. So there was this very awkward conversation of like, you know, the two of them sat me down and, you know, it was this real heartfelt, dramatic kind of thing. And at the time, I'm, the memory is so, you know, Brian Williams will tell you how unreliable memory is. But uh, my feeling is at the time, I probably played up a little bit of the betrayal vibe. 
but I wasn't really feeling it. Okay. You know, because I love the guy and yeah. I could see that what he was dealing with was something way deeper than what I was dealing with. Sure. And so like, okay, I, for me, Hey, losing a sexy woman who's having sex with you when you're 15 or 16 is a significant loss. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> yeah. But you're but saying that love. you weren't feeling it, but you were kind of playing it. I, I think I did. I, to my shame, I think I did, you know. But <laughs> what? What was, what was it that you wanted out of the situation? To keep fucking her, probably. <laughs> uh, first and foremost, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I mean, I wasn't into making him feel bad or her feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean... You're just bummed because your candy was gone. Yeah. yeah. And, I, yeah, and it could be, you know, five years till that comes around again, right. you know. That yeah. Well, especially it wasn't, from Belgian. Yeah, the Belgian, Belgian chocolate <laughs> is like, the sweetest. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't think I've even introduced you yet. Jesus uh, Christ. Oh, you said F-O-C-J thing. Oh, that's right. So that got that's the point right. across. So, here I am sitting on uh, on the beautiful terrace. In the, are we in Hollywood? or the West Hollywood, yeah. West Hollywood. I'm That's looking the corner of Sunset and Doheny. Sunset and Doe fucking Heaney right down there. Looking at this beautiful, uh, the Hollywood Hills, the suns on them. I took a picture. I'll post the picture uh, so you can see what we're looking at. Kind of like being in Gabon. It's like Equatorial Guinea <laughs> or Gabon, yeah. Right. Uh, and I'm with Chris James. This is the return of Chris James, part two. Uh, definitely... Go listen to the first part. That was epic, man. <laughs> people, so many people. I think a cousin of yours wrote to me. Oh, really? Did I forward that to you? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Some, someone in your family wrote to me, and he, had, like, he didn't know that I knew you, but okay. he listened to the podcast. Oh, right. And he was like, dude, that was so wonderful. Like, you really captured what a wonderful guy he is, and we're so happy that he made it because we were kind of worried for him there for a while. <laughs> I'll find it for that's you if funny. I didn't forward it. I oh, that's really funny. Yeah, it was. No. A, I think it was. They didn't a male reach out to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, your cousins are proud of you, Chris, yeah, or at great. least one of them is. <laughs> so, uh, since the last time we talked, which was I don't know a year ago, maybe. Yeah, about a year. You've been, you know. You said the other day when we were hanging out um, that we both sort of, what would you say? We drift like, with the like winds? The weather. Or? Like the, the weather comes and kind of leads us to the next thing. And, and right. we don't always know where we're going to end up, right. but we kind of ride it. Right, right. Yeah. That, it's funny. That makes me think of myself as like a hyena following herds, not, waiting for someone to not die. That, not that different. <laughs> um, you know. We're either scavengers following zebras or we're free spirits drifting on the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people have a very finite plan and, and that plan defines a very disciplined sort of curriculum. And when you do things that don't fall yeah. in that in those forums, you go where it, you you go. Um, and some days are better than others. Well, it's like uh, the difference between tourism and travel, right? Right. You yeah. know, tourist knows exactly where they're going to be on any given day. Traveler, you just sort of fly in and see what happens. Yeah, you kind of are afraid to ever make a reservation. Right. Exactly. 
because you don't know you're, something better is going to come <laughs> yeah. up on the way from the airport. You never and know. And typically, you that extra five bot you could lose, <laughs> and that's another day. Yeah. Like so, you usually in that part of life when you're traveling, you're taking everything you got and trying to make it last as long as possible. Yeah. And a reservation cancellation that that costs. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, it's funny dealing with rich people. Uh, it's always funny how they're like, "Well, just change your flight." Right. Like, you know that that's a <laughs> fundamental difference yeah. between your life and my Significant. life. Significant. I yeah. don't change flights. I change plans to fit the flight that I bought six weeks ago. You right. Know? And typically, when you buy the proper first class ticket, there's no charge to change. That's the thing. Yeah. Right. Proper right. first class ticket. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's been a while since I paid for one of those. Yeah, no. Yeah, I've been lucky. I haven't paid for one in a while, but it's been almost never in the past two years that I haven't flied f- flown first class mm. because I've been flying so much. I'm so high up on oh, Delta. Right. And, Delta um, sucks, though. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? They put me in first class every flight, yeah. so... They don't suck to me. I, I, so I love they, them. So they just upgrade you because you got so many miles? Yeah, because my platinum status ah. is just, you know, and it's been so long of having some status with them that finally as you get old that you get, you know, right. some gift. Right, right. Yeah. No, I, uh, I got gold status on uh, Aegean Air. Whoa. Yeah, that comes in real handy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fly- <laughs> wow. Do they give you a patch or something? <laughs> they, give, they give you a gold thing to stick on your back. But what's good about that is, the only good thing about that is I get into lounges. Right. You yeah. know, you can but hang in the lounge. after a few lounges, I don't even want to be in the lounge because people outside of the lounge are more interesting than the people in the lounge. That's typically. for sure. And yeah. the same few snacks, like that same like yogurt-covered pretzel, I, I don't want that it's not like oh wow this is free shit that i don't want yeah yeah Yeah. typical rich person problem right i mean i've had a lot of those lately (laughs) like when i hear myself talk lately i start to go oh yeah oh man it's such a bummer i i'm really excited that i get to go play this show but i gotta carry my shit yeah like and i'm hearing this come out more and more um yeah i'm not necessarily proud of it but it it, (laughs) but but i do see it well, oh. we were talking about this yesterday, the, like like how I'm becoming a grumpy old man. Yeah. Um, although I think I was kind of a grumpy young man, too. So I'm yeah. not sure uh, to what extent that's an age-related thing. But we, I think the conclusion was if you're not grumpy, you're not paying attention. Uh, yeah. You know, the grumpy old men actually have a point. They do. And, and, and I think as I get older, it's like you said, like we said in that conversation, it's like, well, they're also right yeah, but you don't think they're right when you're little because <laughs> you just sound like a stupid old man. But, but as I get older and I look at young people, I know that I'm right with every judgment and criticism that I have. <laughs> you know? Doesn't that feel great? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, young people. Get off my lawn. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think that I don't know if you've how old are you? Forty one. Forty one. Okay. I've noticed uh, a couple of things. I have noticed a grumpiness, uh, you know, and I certainly notice it in my father, who's just like grumpy all the time. And I think in both cases, I attribute that to loss of uh, strength and pleasure. Like there's, you know, because you're not, the things that, again, we talked about this recently, the things that motivated both of us, I think, Uh, were travel, yeah, and and pussy, right? 
And at a certain age, both of those, or, or maybe not even age, at a certain amount where you've experienced those things to a certain amount, it's sort of like, yeah, okay, whatever. More isn't right. really going to make me that much. There's diminishing returns, right? Yeah. So, so then it's like, well, what does make you happy? And when most people between your age and my age, it's money. Yeah. But if you're not motivated by money, then what the fuck is there? It's the work you're doing. It's it's you have to care about something that you're doing. Or you have kids. You, right, right. You and I don't right. have kids. Yeah. So you're right. I mean for us it's work. Other, yeah. And that's a weird thing for a lazy motherfucker like me <laughs> to be left with. You know, the one the one right. floating object I can right. grab onto is the meaning of work. Are right. you kidding me? You gotta really think one of those ideas that float through there is amazing enough <laughs> to get you out of bed in the morning uh, and look at a computer. And I've already written like my most successful book. I mean any any bookie is just done. <laughs> it's like you've had your day, buddy. <laughs> no, that's not true. You've got one more. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. I believe in you. Oh, that's yeah. sweet. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it's, that, was earnest. It was earnest. that was earnest. It is. It's important to no. be earnest. But the other thing I've noticed about getting old, and I'm not sure if this is related to grumpiness or not, um, is that I think as testosterone levels start to to wane uh, significantly. I, I'm much more emotional. I'm more like if I'm watching a movie, I'll be like fucking crying and shit, you know, and trying to hold it back if if anyone's in the room with me. But but the shit comes up really quickly. See, I wish I could say that that's new, but I, I've been that way my whole life, and mm. and so I, I remember watching Face Off. With Nick Cage, oh, and I think it was John Travolta or something. <laughs> they, they change faces Yeah, or and something? they're like fighting on the beach. And I, I was watching this, and, and, and Nick Cage, I think, was fighting like something to save his daughter. Uh, and there, I had this, like, it just shot into my head, like, he's doing all of this for his daughter. And I started <laughs> sobbing, and it was so embarrassing, but I couldn't help it. I, I've always been, like, super <laughs> hypersensitive to, like, the really? right moment in a movie yeah. with the right music and everything. Wh- which, which makes that, like, everything you're saying about, like, the growing of the increasing grump. Um, imagine how awful it must be if your early life was based on your masculinity. Like, if you were an athlete or, or something like this. Right. Then... I can really see what you're saying. It's harder for me in this because I've always been more sensitive than I would have liked to be. Um, I've Mm. always been emotionally at the surface and tears come easy and so does self-judgment and all of the things that would rip my internal um, sort of manufacturing plant apart and, and leave me in this void of... Oh God! I got myself here again. How do I rebuild that confidence that I'm a, a worthy being? And and that was the big fight that I spent most of my life doing. So, what's happened to me is I I, I don't. Yes, I I am absolutely correct with my judgment and harshness on young people. Uh, but but I find myself not getting more grumpy. Uh, I find myself a little bit more accepting. A little bit more. I, I, I ha, it's almost like um, this a- automatic mechanism that in most situations I will immediately sort of put myself into the shoes of the other person, 
and just have a glimpse of what it looks like for them and and then it's all gone and it's the same when somebody flips me off in the street or honks at me i have that initial like i'll fuck you up kind of feeling and then i look at them and i see the human and i go uh I hope your day gets better. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so it so, sounds like you're, you're becoming enlightened. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that that thing that you hear about <laughs> this cliche and like softy. Yeah. Um, I, so I'm becoming I maybe maybe even less masculine. <laughs> <laughs> when when you describe that that uh, process that that sort of like. I mean, it sounded like sort of a breaking down and then building back up again kind yeah. of uh, cycle. Is that, uh, and you said you've always been more sensitive than you wanted to be. It's funny how, you know, when we look at what we wanted as kids, like I wanted to be uh, American Indian when I was a kid, right. right? Imagine how different my life would be if I had brown <laughs> skin and long, straight black hair, you know? It's like... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'd be, you know, what? If dead. you just tan a lot and get some extensions. Yeah. yeah tan. You, you can tan. get the experience. You call it tanning. I call it fucking skin cancer, man. Uh, no, I did. Oh, geez. I used to, I had a fucking lamp in my bedroom. I was trying to, you know, I had one of those infrared lamps. Oh, yeah. Like from seasonal affective disorder? Are you talking well, about? Well, this was in the 70s. So but it's this was thing. just like a cancer causing, you oh. know, fucking skin lamp. Did you lamp. get tan? Yeah. Okay, that's a little weird. Yeah. It's very uh, weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, dude, I, I, I wore a loincloth. <laughs> right. From the time I was like eight till I was 14. So you actually were active about trying to become. The idea I, I sent of, of away what the better to you the, would the, be. Uh, the fucking South Dakota, some reservation in South Dakota for Lakota language tapes. So, okay, <laughs> okay. So, so that is, I think, um, the kernel behind everything. Uh, the the summary of of what you're saying was my issue, and still is in a big way, which is the idea of of what I. Th- think is good the version of me that i think is worthy the idea that this is what people will like and here's all the truth that i know about myself and nobody's going to fucking want anything to do with that if i expose that hmm. and and i think as a as a kid up through my even into sort of my mid to late 20s that i mean it it is an identity crisis but it's much deeper than that in in it, it stems from, for me, like a, a core of, of thinking I would never be enough. Like, there was no way I, this thing could ever be, amount to be enough that someone else would actually like it enough to want to love it. And Where did that come from? I always had it. It was always a belief in me. And, you know, you can go through all the psychological reasons of like, oh, my dad was gone and my mom was having challenges in my upbringing and it was kind of a volatile space and all of this and this and and I was an only child so I was left alone a lot and this and that and I remember as a kid I always um, what I did is I I quickly equated um, achievement to garnering attention which equated to love Hmm. so 
when I started to feel down, I would become the best at something or the right. best that I could be. And in my little area, that wasn't hard. So be the best on the football team, then I became the best skateboarder, and then I got started winning competitions, and then I needed to learn that, and, you know, and so, you know, and then I, I got... Um, they asked me to leave this Catholic school that I was in. So then I voted and asked to go to military school. So I went to military school in eighth grade, and I did a switch, and I got every award that I could get. I My shoes were never not polished. My <laughs> like I, I worked my way in one year from being a, a lowly cadet in the dress parade up to the color guard, you know. And, and like, I was just determined to prove that I was a, a worthy human. Um, and I don't think I've ever totally stopped doing Well, that. that's what I was going to ask you, if that is uh, essential to the creative process, to your motivation. I think to a lot of people. Yeah. I, don't, I think there's some that are blessed to not ha- have that challenge um, in their day-to-day you know, infrastructure, but they have a different one. Um, but I think uh, I think if you look around at the view that we're looking at, a large majority of the people migrate here <clears throat> in the same way they did when there was for the gold rush. There was a chance to change your life and become something better overnight. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And then you, you end up with the same thing that happened in the gold rush, which is that the guys looking for gold almost never found it the people who made money were the people who were parasites on the the guys looking for gold the uh, levi strauss who was selling them jeans and tools yeah, right, and, right, you know right. those that's where you make the money <laughs> yeah yeah right have the peanut stand nearby yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> charge the dreamers don't be a dreamer right you know? um, and i mean okay now this gets into a very deep and the thing about my grumpiness is, at least uh, here's how I justify it to myself, it's philosophical. It's more, because I agree with you, I'm, as time goes by, I'm less likely, I've never been likely to get into a fight no. with anyone, but I'm less likely than ever now, you know, <laughs> right. probably because I'm less likely than ever to win, but yeah. also because it's like, what the fuck, you know, anyone who's freaking out is in pain. So yeah. I recognize that. I don't want right. to, you know, make it worse. But um, I guess the, the getting, you know, putting a real fine polish on the grumpiness is this idea that what you were describing, this seeking success and excellence and being the best and all these things that American culture celebrates, yeah. right? To me, they all it's all the carrot in front of the fucking donkey. It's you never get there. You're running on a wheel. You're... You know, you're chasing something. Uh, the entire American capitalist system is built on enticing you to run faster, work harder, spend more money, do right. whatever to get something that in reality you're never going to fucking get. Right. Right. You never reach it. So I look at the whole thing and it just seems like a colossal fucking scam. Yeah. It, I mean,. You can say that's the basis of capitalism in one sense, but it, it's also, um, I think, the eradication of faith than what do you have. Where previously you you had a larger purpose that you were a part of, you, you believed in something. Um, the closest thing we have to that is our celebrity, it is like, who, who are the people that 
all the girls that I want to hook up with would drop me the second he walked in the door. You know, you have your Brad Pitts or your George Clooney's or anybody like that. Did you tell me some story like you had a girlfriend who had just broken up with George Clooney? Was that you? Well, yes, but I I, I don't know the, the... actual details of who broke up with who but she was with him before she was with me <laughs> so yeah. you had the rebound you uh, were the rebound relationship i, w- after I was Clooney. i was the, the, i was the rebound <laughs> and um and that is what a that tough gig, equated man. to was a lot of being in my head um <laughs> at, at every given time um, so like all right i got to i got to ask this like so you're sleeping with a woman who Previously uh, had been with George Clooney. Oh, here comes. Uh, well, oh, hold on. Um, all right, so I, I'm <laughs> grilling Chris about being the rebound from George Clooney, and the fire truck comes in. So, like, I mean, erectile dysfunction, dude. If ever there was a time. Okay, so. <laughs> so it no, it worked fine because I mean, her her career was significantly based on how she looked. So yeah. her level of attraction ability was uh, as as peak yeah. as it gets so so regardless of who yeah. your tunnel buddy is in that situation tunnel buddy that's <laughs> never heard that expression before um, that's good <laughs> so, so though he's with me sometime in the act uh-huh. uh you know there, there there's half of you judging yourself and the other half going Hey man, you're only like one step away from the guy that's voted the coolest there is. So it's kind of this like threshold it's, of it's a six inch step. I mean, it's not <laughs> <laughs> right. And so the, the there was like a little confidence building, but that was the small part. The yeah. the the other part was being reminded every day of where you really were in your life in terms of your success and your accomplishment. <laughs> and so, well, which again is you know look at it different ways. You can say like you know a lot of, a lot of people would say that is fucking pretty high up on the accomplishment and success scale. <laughs> yeah, but it reminds you how higher than I've ever far been. <laughs> you are from being as successful as he is, and so th- there were literally days like. Those days where you had that bad day and yeah. everything was going wrong, it this is not even like a made-up story. I was on Ventura Boulevard in the valley, stopped at a light, and I was like kind of drowning in my heaviness. And up comes a, a bus, and it stops right next to me. And the and the movie board was like Ocean's Twelve, <laughs> and 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 he's got that like sexy little smug smile. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, just like looked right at me, perfectly there. And you, at that point, you just start laughing because it's just an ironic uh, existence. And, and and that happened. As a guy who makes a movie, again, I'm sure you again. saw that, like in the frame, <laughs> right. right? Your whole thing is yeah. like, now I'm in the movie of my life, yeah. right? Starring, you know, by Judd Apatow or something, <laughs> right? Totally. <laughs> Have you ever met George Clooney personally? No, I haven't. I, I think I would like him a lot. Well, that's what I was going to ask because, I, you know, you never know. I, I get this feeling with Obama as well, right? You never know if these guys are just, they're just assholes like everybody else, but they're so good at refining the public perception that right. they've taken me in as well. Right. Or if they're actually legitimately cool people who somehow keep keep their authenticity 
even under that incredibly inauthentic, uh, you know, force that they're in the center of. You yeah. Know? Like Obama, with Obama, what makes me think he's legitimately a good guy, despite the fact that I disagree with a lot of the shit he's done, is his daughters and his wife. Yeah. The, the, to me, there's not a question if he's a good guy or not. It's like yeah. a lot of people, like what you do is different from who you are. Um, yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, the thing with, with uh, I don't know, the, the, the whole the, the movie star thing, you know, it, it's so people become so good at projecting this, their persona, you know. I mean, they're acting all the time, yeah. right? I mean, I don't even know, you know, if they're yeah. ever not. That's why I said that comeback is such an interesting TV show because right. it shows those different layers. But uh, like George Clooney comes across this, and Brad Pitt too. They come across as guys who are actually like I would actually enjoy hanging out with them. I agree. I yeah. think I totally feel the same. They they'd enjoy it much more than I would. Well, of course, obviously, but, you know. I I mean, I've I've always thought like the one thing that I could do probably better than anyone would be like. I could be like your normal friend, yeah, for really rich and successful people. <laughs> right. Like, you know, yeah. I'm the guy who would. I'd be like the court get, jester, right? Get put on staff. I'm on staff, but like my job is to just tell you when you're full of shit, right? You know, like, hey, George, tone it down, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Time to tone it yeah. down. Yeah, totally. That shirt's too much, dude. Yeah, like, um, what's there's a name for that, like. Uh, identity coach like what there's a name for that the court jester like the only one who could tell the king he was fat and stupid and get away with it you know yeah i I like the idea that for some reason they recognize the need for that kind of person and imagine like the stress (laughs) you know i I, I like the idea of having an image therapist like (laughs) (laughs) like where you go and and you don't talk about your psychology or your personal stuff. It's like, okay, so this is how I'm being publicly portrayed. Let's work out this. And and really, all that is is a branding strategy. Yeah, it's a publicist, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but publicists don't really do that. Uh, I mean, really. I mean, right. old school, maybe. Right, right. Where they were shaping your career yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we should. I, I should. I mean, now that we're half an hour into this, I should mention that you make films. Uh, you write. You're you're like a, a creature of Hollywood here. This is your. I don't know if that's a good title. <laughs> um, it's you and rats, as far as I can tell. Uh, yeah, We're, it's amazing to be sitting here. By the way, this is really. It's uh, a good spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I grew up here and and sort of found my way into the to the world of TV and movies when I was really really young and. So over the course of time, you, you get exposed to a lot of things, and a lot of people, and a lot of people have died. Like, my, I, you know, I was really close friends with Corey Haim, and and, uh, and a lot of those young kid actors, Chris Pettit, and, and a bunch of people who are now deceased, you know, before they were 30. Um, From what? Coke? Most, mostly all uh, overdoses. Um, but And you could see it from years before, you know. You could, you could always see it coming. Um but yeah, so, and then yeah, I've made a couple movies, and 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 now I'm playing in a band, and you know, so a little bit of a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I, I heard uh, I heard your band on the radio. 
uh, not too long ago. I think it was California. Oh, California, yeah. Yeah, that's a great song. It's yeah, it's a fun song. Hook. But our best song, the one that I actually listen to, and still I admit I will get teary-eyed sometime on this build, um, we're releasing on our own, uh, I think next week. And they started to play it today on KCRW. So What's it called? It's called Waiting. Waiting. And <laughs> yeah. the band is? The band's called Bootstraps. Bootstraps. <clears throat> uh, and can people download it from your website directly? or how's I mean, it it's on iTunes and, and everything. Oh, right. Okay. Like, you know, I mean, we, we got, it was kind of a backward story. We were never trying to be a band and we were never trying to play music. Right. Um, and Jordan's your writing partner, right? Yeah, so like Jordan stuff. Beckett, he he and I have been best friends for six or seven years now. And we'd you ever share a written, girlfriend? Uh I don't think Are you so. Tunnel, no, you're not tunnel buddies. <laughs> no, I don't think we're tunnel oh, buddies. Come on, no. dude, step no. it up. Step no, not, it up. Not, not get, get yourself so a Belgian. Far. Well, we still have a few things on the checklist. <laughs> um, but uh, no, so we were writing scripts together for all these years, and he was a really good singer, and I had played music in the past, but hadn't played much in like 15 years. And then um, he, his friend Sam is on his TV show Parenthood, and Sam was his neighbor. And remembered like years, years ago, Jordan playing these songs, and and he he made a anyway he he had made this little indie, and he called Jordan uh, and said, "Hey, I need some music for this movie. If I pay you to get it recorded, to record it, uh, can I use it in the movie?" And Jordan said, "Yeah," and figured it out, worked on the songs, got it together, got them recorded. Then that movie ended up winning uh, best music in a movie at the Nashville Film Festival. And then spun around, started to get placements on TV shows. And uh, then a, a friend of mine uh, was kind of pretty high up in, at Capitol Records. And so we, we got him the, the music and he called the next day and said, hey, we want to sign you guys. And we said, well, we're not a band um, and, and so that's, that's like when the when the settlers went to the Indians, like we want to buy this land, and they're like, uh, "How did you how do you sell this?" It's like right. it doesn't really belong to us. It's like I don't know. Right? You want to buy the sky too? Give you a great price on the sky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so you so, formed a so, band so, in order to so, so yeah, be like uh, uh, so that got all worked out, and then a year ago. In January, we, we got guys together, um, a guy named Matt who played drums in Cold War Kids and, and Dave, guitar playerist, who recorded and had a lot of involvement in the recording of those songs. Um, and we rehearsed for a week and then um, went on tour. And from that, uh, we ended up getting asked to do a song for Grey's Anatomy and then Rolling Stone did a story about us a few months in. And, and so it kind of just became something so you guys are like a boy band we're, like, we're a little like bit thrown like thrown together band. by the label you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're an old boy band <laughs> right like 40 year old men well they're, they're all younger i'm the oldest one. Oh, uh, you're, um, you're the grizzled they, but they're all then. like really good looking they look make me look like ass well it's like, a good thing you're on keyboards nobody yeah, pays attention yeah, nobody cares about me <laughs> that's the best part i'm like ah, i don't even need to play <laughs> <laughs> just move your hands around yeah, yeah. right yeah <laughs> Yeah, that would be fun. That, yeah, that would be really fun. You know, I've got this idea for, um, I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but the I, one of the books I want to do after I finish this right. massive Because you love being on the computer. 
Uh, well, but you'll see, this one's different. <laughs> see, the whole idea of this book is that it's experience-based, yeah. so I actually have to go do shit. Right. And it's not just sitting and thinking and, you know, reading books and putting papers together and, like... Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think I want to do another one of these. I, yeah. It's satisfying on an intellectual level, you know, to right. to sort of layer, you know. And I like writing, so I do like, I do like structuring uh, a chapter in a way that when you get to the end, you're like, oh shit, that's yeah. why he used that image right, seven right, right. pages ago, yeah, yeah. and all no, that. That is cool. I love that like feeling. Building the equation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the the book idea I've got is. Um, and I think I've talked about this before on the podcast, so I won't go into it in detail. But the idea is to sort of subvert a little bit this old and grumpy old man thing. Because <laughs> I think another reason that that we get grumpy as we, you know, a lot of people get grumpy is that it's like when you're 50, most guys at 50 are like completely locked in. Yeah. You know, you're at a position professionally where you are sort of successful enough that you can't you're not thinking about quitting and trying something new right forget it you yeah. know you're at you're at the top yeah. of your game stay there be careful don't get fired because you're fucked if you do right your kids are in college or whatever you're married to the woman you've been with for 20 right. tracks in motion yeah. And, set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and there's like nothing new happening yeah. unless you fuck your secretary and blow the whole thing up which right. is what a lot of people do um and so it's like, you know, okay, death's coming soon. There's, yeah, well, I'll get back to this other thing. But so <laughs> there's like, nothing's fun. You asked me yesterday, like, what's motivating you? You know, it's like, uh, I think most people my age, it's like, well, you know, I'm just hanging on, you know? Yeah. And so what my idea was to subvert that and do five new things in my 50s in my early to mid 50s okay that um are put me in a position where i'm likely to be humiliated so there's a lot of comic potential like learn salsa dancing sure right sure. i'm the least salsa dancing guy you know <laughs> guaranteed ask my wife uh so like go to cuba and learn salsa dancing yeah. right or colombia or whatever right um like go to Africa, Gabon. Fuck my friend. I'll go to Gabon right. and <laughs> right. and like learn percussion. Like right. do drumming with a bunch yeah, of yeah. eight year olds. Just some random things that right. So seem five off. things like yeah. learn to fly from a bush pilot in Alaska. That right. that I like. Okay. Um, and then one of the things would be uh, like an adventure of some sort, like you know the Camino de Santiago or floating down the Mekong on a raft, yeah. or you know something not too strenuous but right. interesting. And you know, yeah. why the fuck am I talking about this? What was about the your book idea? Yeah, that's and, the book idea. And that stimulated. You said that somehow because like the, you said undoing the grumpy old man thing. Which stimulated from me saying the band was kind of thrown together by accident. And, yeah. And, uh, oh, oh, that's what it was. Because I was thinking one of the things, because I've got a lot of friends who are comedians. Yeah. And I was, and you know, sometimes because I hang out with them a lot, I sort of start thinking, or at least I tell myself I'm thinking like a comedian. Like I'll, I'll like do little riffs on the right. podcast and I'll actually write stuff and, yeah. you know, t tighten it and whatever. So I was thinking, one of the projects that could be interesting would be to put together like 15 minutes and go on stage at a comedy club. Yeah. And bomb. Right. Because, I mean, maybe I wouldn't bomb, but bomb bombing would be fine because that would be a really interesting thing to write about. You right. Because part of the point is keep taking risks and don't worry about looking like a fool because I think right. the problem is if you make a fool of yourself when you're 25, eh, who gives a shit? Make a fool of yourself when you're 50. 
it's defined as a bigger deal. <laughs> and I guess my point is, it isn't. It should be less right. of a big deal. Yeah. Because who gives a fuck? Yeah, you're at a point in your life, you should be less worried about judgment. And you, you are this already, so let's yeah. break out a little exactly, bit. Exactly, yeah. right. You've already accomplished stuff. Right. So, you know, <laughs> you've notched your fucking belt, calm down, and yeah. have fun now. I was reading this story, and there was just one image. And I'm sure this, you do this as well. You, like, see an image and, like, damn, I'm going to use that somewhere, someday. I don't sure. know how. but And the image is that there's a point in space between the earth and the moon where like when a, a satellite or a rocket or something is going to the moon there's a place it's called the equigravisphere i think is how, what it's defined as or what they call it and it's it's that invisible place between two plant two bodies where you pass from the gravitational pull of uh, one into yeah. the pull of the other right right okay. and i was thinking about that in terms of age because I kind of feel like youth, you're sort of like a rocket ship trying to break out of the yeah. gravity of where you're coming from. Your right. parents and your childhood and your bullshit and your family yeah. and all that shit. And then there's this very brief period where you're just free. And there's like this yeah. equanimity. And then you're being pulled toward death. Right. Yeah. You know, now you're yeah, like yeah. resisting right. the pull of death. So you're fighting to get out of one thing and then you're fighting not to get sucked into the other. Right. Yeah. No. Have a nice day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. Um, yeah, you do. I mean, I don't know. Like, my life has gotten better so far as I've gotten older. And I think that's mm. what most people seem to say. And you don't believe that or get that because you can't. But. But it does get better, and you get more clear. And uh, but I'm also now stuck dealing with all this physical shit that I have to implement into my day so that I don't feel like ass. Yeah. You know, I have to take care of myself more. I have to be more thoughtful. I have to go yeah. see doctors. I have to do acupuncture. I have to do those things, and that becomes just as important a part of your discipline day if you want to be able to do anything. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, because it starts to calcify. Have you done um, uh, flotation? No. I mean, I've, done, I've always done my version of that, but I've not ever done it. And the, the guy who, who did all the research with it is the same guy that did all the crazy research with dolphins. John Lilly. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and so I've always been aware of it, and I've read a lot, but I've not ever done it. Uh, mm -hmm. You should definitely. I can hook you up, but I've never done it in venice but uh joe rogan who's yeah. a friend of mine is like the flotation guru of north america and he knows everybody and there's a guy i think the guy's name is crash who owns yeah. the place out there and what is it that you really get out of it uh it's really cool man i i've been doing it in portland um okay first thing that i get out of it is that i i have tried to meditate a lot in yeah, life yeah and yeah, it never I'm works. Do that. I'm, that one's you, I gave up, on, up that on that one. Well, for me, it's always like my knees hurt, my right. ass hurts, my right. back hurts. Like I cannot right. sit for an hour on the floor and be comfortable. And I know the whole Zen thing, like that's part of it. And the guy will hit you in the back with a cane or something. Fuck that. Yeah. So that just doesn't work for me. Uh, I'm distracted by the bodily discomfort. And then the, I did Vipassana, this 10 day retreat, yeah. you know, no reading or talking right. or yeah. anything. And that was really interesting, but you know, you're meditating 
10 hours a day and for me it was just like uh, a fucking porn film festival man I was just sitting there like <laughs> like I'm sorry but it's like were you well, masturbating no, no I'm there in a room with all these people and right. I'm just like and that know. stopped you when my mind has nothing to do it generally <laughs> goes you know, to your body it go, well, or someone else's yeah um, but what I find with uh, flotation is that the body disappears. So very quickly, because you're not getting any sensory input, right? Because yeah. the temperature and the flotation and the sound and the light, everything's off. Um, the body disappears. And then it's just this sort of consciousness. And I find it very easy to just let it go out. Right. And so what I find in floating is that I'll zone out in a way that um, I don't, I'm not aware of what's going on until I notice I, I've stopped breathing. Right. And then there's like, like you were talking about being with the dolphins, like you're, after a while you like, oh, wait a minute, I have to breathe, you know? Right. I, I get that and I sort of like snap into it because my body's saying, hey, wake up, you know, breathe. But I wasn't asleep. Right. You know, it, I was in this other realm of nothingness. Yeah. Which is really fucking relaxing, yeah. you know? Um, so I like that a lot. And then the last couple of times I've done it, this place I go to, they um, they sort of, when you're coming out of it, they'll play some new age music. And, you know, <laughs> I always bullshit. love that. Yeah, a little Enya to get <laughs> you going again. So I, I asked them if I could bring in my own music. And they said, yeah, sure. And they've got uh, one of the tanks has like a lot of underwater speakers. Oh, that's cool. So I, I made up my own playlist yeah. of like... Uh, some box solo violin partitas that I really like, um, you know, some sort of uh, a couple of other classical things, but also like uh, Bill Laswell, um, uh, you know, real like sort of jungle bass funk kind of stuff, you know, no vocals. I, cause it seems yeah, like that the would be mid distracting, I think. Well, and also the mid range doesn't go through water very right. well. Yeah. Uh, but which could relate to what we were saying about the dolphins the yeah. other day. Right. But um, yeah, listening to music in that in that environment is interesting because you're getting the vibrations through your body. Yeah. So you feel the the percussion and the bass like in your actual body. Ah, that's I love that. Yeah. That that's really good. So that's what I've been doing recently is just like hearing now, music really are, deep. Are, are the are is is it clean? Is the water clean? Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're different places, right? <laughs> but generally, they're very um, conscientious about that because they know that's yeah. the main thing people are worried about. The water—it's filtered after each session. Yeah. All the water is filtered. Okay. The salinity is off the fucking charts. Right. That's why so you, you float. float. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's like these people are worried someone pisses in it or whatever. Right. But it's. Everything's it's actually dead. good for your skin, and it's really good for your skin. Yeah, no, and the piss. I mean, the, well, the piss is, and the magnesium from the the Epsom salts is right. what you get. This huge magnesium boost okay. for your skin, which is really good. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a very interesting experience. I like yeah, it. I would, I, like I would it. totally. I, I've always kind of wanted to. Um, I have super low blood pressure, so I, I can go out. In any situation, I have that experience in water often. Anyway, just zone out. Yeah, I can. I have to remind myself to get out of the shower. Yeah. I'll just sit in that shit for hours. Yeah, and then the same whether it's a pool or whether it's in the ocean or uh, I, I, that happens a little bit anyway. 
So let's talk about the dolphins. I yeah. mean, because you've been working with these dolphins. Last time we talked, you were just, I mean, as I remember it, you were working with this woman in Florida who has yeah. the center, and her son had been ill, and they right. were you were you were exploring the idea of helping them like do a little video or something for them, and now it's blown up, yeah. and now you're doing like a feature <laughs> An epic film movie, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, no, it. So uh, the story is is her name's Dina, and she had a, a boy who was born with a really rare heart condition. Um, and he wasn't expected to survive and he, um, he did. And at the time it was in Colorado and only 10 kids had had the surgery and almost none of them survived. And if they did survive, it wasn't for long. So he survived and then went on to kind of live a functional life until he was three during his third open heart surgery, at which point he had a, a full... Uh, full right hemisphere stroke and his left side of his body went completely paralyzed so now you have that and the heart condition and he wasn't responsive to anything he wasn't responsive to any kind of physical therapy nothing motivated him to move his body and they came to the conclusion that living in the high altitude climate was harder for his heart so recovery was double you know impaired by his condition mixed with the altitude. So, so they moved to the sea level and they ended up moving to Key Largo and they came upon this place in the canals where you could, you know, swim in the, in the ocean water with the dolphins. It, and it was really raw. It was in 1990 and, and, um, and you jump in the water and you swim around. Well, he couldn't swim or anything. But uh, so she thought, oh, maybe he'll like to look at the dolphins. And so she sat him down on the edge of the dock. And this one dolphin, who was not very responsive to any other people, shot over, popped up and started squeaking. And and the kid, Joe, started laughing for the first time in a year. And the mom started crying. So then she notices that the dolphin's checking out his feet. So they're hanging on the end of the dock. And one of them was uh, hyperextended from the stroke and one was relaxed right. and the dolphin would poke its rostrum or nose into one foot and then into the other and into back and forth and um, the, the mom she was a cognitive therapist pre- previously so she started seeing this and started seeing the enthusiasm that he had to be around the dolphin and she came up with the idea to, to say um, I think he's a left handed dolphin um, which is why he's not taking food from you or anything in your because everybody's feeding him with his right hand. So he wants to play with you, but you got to feed him with your left hand. So that night she came into his room and found him talking to his hand, saying "Open, close, open, close," and that stimulated the beginning of this right. whole strategy. And the enthusiasm of their relationship ended up giving him a full recovery over the next two years and, um, and now he's, and now he's 27 and lives a normal life and, and drives to work and lives alone um and uh he's the nicest sweetest kindest person he has no uh there's nothing no negativity he if somebody he's like if forgives instantly he's just a vat of kindness is he um is he mentally he's okay he, totally okay he is really sweet and and socially he's a little shy. Sure. Um, 
So I always kind of, we go out and I coax him to talk to a girl or something like that, <laughs> you know, and, and, and he, wow. he does and he will, you know, do it. And but, imagine the story. I mean, if he, if he hooks up with the right girl, right. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. you meet some like slightly shy, awkward guy and right. a year later, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? That's who you are? <laughs> right. So do you think because he's had this essentially a lifelong relationship with dolphins right does he have insights into dolphin cognition or emotion um what he has is the same way if i had a a a dog my whole life and that dog was 10 15 years old i can read the dog pretty well like you take it to somebody else, they think they know what the dogs are, but you know. Right. So he has that on a pretty heightened level. Like when he's seeing a pregnant dolphin, he can usually come up with approximately how, when the baby's going to be born. Uh, if, if, if something, if, if one of them seem a little strange, he'll figure out. I bet it has a, a little parasite under its arm, you know, under its, you know, Mm. or or he, he he's really insightful and and kind of can can read the behavior in a in a way most people can't what's his work is um, it related to this what one? what what they do now is they have a nonprofit where uh, they works. they do therapy oh, with okay. kids with brain disorders and right. war veterans with PTSD in the same manner that that helped him right and so so he helps with that every day yeah i'm just wondering I mean, it's an obvious comparison, maybe not valid at all, but I'm sort of imagining a Temple Grandin of, of dolphins, right. sort of, you know. Yeah, like. yeah, and that's kind of not far from his reality. Um, the, there's no, you know, he still has to have heart maintenance. He has scars and, and things, but he's, like, in good shape, and you would never really know nothing's wrong, anything was ever wrong with him, aside from he's a little shy. Yeah. Um, and, but, uh, so I was blessed to end up kind of becoming a part of their family and and over the past two and a half years spent a lot of time with them um spent the 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 last like five months of last year basically living there and and working with the the dolphins and and learning how to be with them and how to how to acclimate them to 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 a comfort level with me and with cameras and so I've been able to do a lot of test shooting and, and really get footage effortlessly that nobody ever has the chance to get. Is the, is any of that footage you showed me yesterday online? Can I? Uh, um, is there a yeah, way if to you link if you that? go to um, uh, Vimeo dot com forward slash Chris James one word, um, the, there's a couple of things up there. I could post some more. Some of the stuff you showed me yesterday was amazing, of, of like the dolphin pushing your feet, right. and you yeah. like sort of crouching with your hand out and pushing you <laughs> yeah, around, and spinning underwater. Oh, yeah, yeah, it it is amazing, and and it's it's fun. Um, you know, it's funny because when when I watch that footage or I see people watch it, and it's really nothing more than a bunch of test clips, and I even edited well. Uh, there's this feeling of this profound connection and profound relationship and and um, an emotional experience and the funny part is when you're doing it 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 feels kind of like doing a gymnast trick you know because because 
you're so focused you're you're trying to align yourself you're trying to get an eye-to-eye eye connection with the dolphin you're, you're, you're making sure she's with you and and then you're trying to like you know lead her into a space that follows what you're doing and right. and so it's so much more of, of being like a pilot in a lot of ways right. and then you look at the results and you're like wow this is insane the times when you're just being with them is when you actually feel the way those moments look uh, M- more so than when I'm doing that really beautiful looking ride underwater a porn star said exactly <laughs> that same thing to me actually right, right, right. <laughs> if you're trying to make it look good you're not really feeling it as much yeah it's true right you know I just remember the connection to the whole fucking story I told about my next book and being doing a comedy routine it was you saying like as a keyboard player, you could just sort of sit back and pretend you were playing. <laughs> right. And I was thinking, instead of being a comic, maybe I could, like, you know, get get some friends who have a band like you guys or something to let me be on stage <laughs> pretending to play an instrument. Totally. You know? <laughs> like the second keyboard guy. Right. I'm just like... Because, <laughs> <Yeah. you know? laughs> yeah. like, what's it like to totally. be in front of 5,000 people who are, like, into the band? And I'm like, yeah, it's <laughs> me. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> Completely no, fraud. Like, like Mick Jagger with his guitar. Like, right. dude, what? <laughs> you, you don't need you? that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why? <laughs> There's, like, eight guitars behind you already. Well, and I mean, I, I guess he actually does play guitar, but sure. when I see him on, you know, concerts and shit, he puts he on the guitar, plays like three notes, notes, and then he's just singing, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. 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 But it's funny because Jordan will go back back and forth. Maybe I should play the electric on this song. It's like, yeah, okay. Whatever makes you feel good. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's about presentation more than music because, yeah. I mean, Mick Jagger does not need to play guitar. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, have you ever seen. Uh, Talking about you know what what the footage you showed me yesterday reminded me of of you underwater and the way the light was playing and the bubbles and everything it reminded me of this um, photography series beautiful stuff um, something in snow oh yeah, yeah yeah ashes ashes and snow yeah it's insane that is yeah. so beautiful and I have. How the hell did they get those photos? Uh, yeah. It's like a, a baby being held by an elephant in its trunk and no, stuff. It's, it's just it's crazy. unbelievable. It's, and like that's the kind of thing that you get one of those every 50 years. Right. It, and they've got like, like 50 of those images. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's insane. No, I mean, uh, th- those images are covered all over my mom's place. Like uh, I got them for her. They're really um, good. Yeah, yeah, that thing was amazing. And they traveled with like this... Um, they would build the the theater out of like shipping crates, and so was, they built it on the beach when when they set up that show here. And it was all these huge shipping crates, and you walk through, and there was video footage going, and all those images. Yeah, that was insane. Um, it's gorgeous, and and the videos are amazing. There's these videos with guys swimming with whales and being yeah. underwater. It seems like forever. <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it really feels like uh, interspecies communication on a very yeah. deep level. It does. Mm. Yeah, through, through the course of, of time, th- there have been um, s- some significant moments with the dolphins where, um, where you, you have... I mean, it, it's hard to explain without sounding a little bit... Um, <laughs> you know, I don't want to sound like a kooky animal person, 
but uh, let's examine that. <laughs> yeah, what, what is a kooky animal person, and and why? Because this is the thing about the culture that always gets me. You know, it's like if you argue that uh, war was not omnipresent in prehistory, you're a fucking you know right. bleeding hard idiot, right? right? If you argue that animals are thinking, feeling, sentient beings, right? Then you're a kooky animal person, right? But I'm sorry, that's obvious. Right. <laughs> right. You know, like scientists are arguing about whether dogs can think. Right. Well, if you've ever had a fucking dog, that's right. not a question, you know? Yeah. It's weird right. how right. No, behind true. the reality culture is. Oh, I think oh, that's catching up. But there's that, you know, that little yeah. minutia of right. people who want to come swim with the dolphins and with their crystals and yeah. wear yeah. this funny outfit with. You know, it, so, so, you know, so, <laughs> they're crazy. So, 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 hey, maybe they're not, but uh, they're they're not so credible. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, it, I, I see it as um, you're interacting with an animal, and and you, and the, the longer that you spend with them, the more layers they expose, and. When you first, when you go on your little like dolphin swims that people go on, yeah, like uh, they t- tend to have this little experience where the trainer is running the show, right? Yeah, you- <laughs> I, I'm taking a picture. Right? Don't, don't get distracted, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, there's a beautiful behind you because the, right, the, the mirror, mirror is yeah. reflecting the sunset, and uh, yeah, yeah it must it's be really nice. nice yeah. um, so. Most people get a very uh, kind of rudimentary exposure to a dolphin, right? Yeah. You either see this beautiful thing out in the ocean or they're riding around your boat, but you don't get to really be with them. Or you get a swim with a dolphin, which is where their focus is all on a trainer and the trainer gives them behaviors to do and you're kind of like the ball in the middle that right. the dolphin does the, the, the behavior with. Right. Um, and at that point, most people go, wow, it's, and some people are scared, and some people are just in heaven and feeling like they're having this massive experience. And, um, and, and you leave that experience, and you, you go, wow, they're so cute and smart and all of these things. And, and then when you get to the next layers, what happens is um, you start to notice that they have personalities like little kids and they're bratty and spoiled and they're very strong and they will let you know it and they uh, are very they want to have sex yeah they're horny and bastards, yes they? they are and they um, and they each range you know so there's one dolphin who is super hypersensitive that just wants to come and when she feels close to you, just push her body against you. Mm. Super tactile. And you can feel how hypersensitive she is and how emotional she is and how much she kind of needs a baby and how much she wishes the baby was her. And then when a little kid will come in the water, she will want to just, like, take that kid and have her for herself. Like, and try to kind of lead her into the corner so that they can just be together. Do and, dolphins know that we need to breathe? I, I, I believe they do um, because stories I've heard uh, have 
led to a dolphin leading someone up to the surface or someone being down or pinned down and then getting free prior to the time right. you wouldn't be able to breathe. And they need to breathe, but it's like and every 20 breathe, minutes or something, it's, right? It's in a relaxed manner. Yeah. 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 So I feel that they, they do have an awareness of that. Right. Um, so, so she wants to just... So she doesn't have any babies? Do, do all females eventually have babies? I mean, that's a strange question. Like, they can... <laughs> do they marry i mean they're promiscuous right yeah no they they switch off um but she's not like uh you know infertile or something the, the one you're talking the, the, about no no no. she can have a baby oh, okay. um and and probably will soon your it, baby it's maybe my baby um no yeah they they have they you know they have a very long pregnancy it's uh-huh. it's yeah it's over a year uh-huh, really? or, or right about that but um and uh yeah so they can't do it often and they have like one at a time yeah Yeah. and uh yeah no and but that that dolphin she'll probably get pregnant again so i mean they get pregnant a lot yeah um and do you know the survival rate of the of the baby well it's it's really it hit and miss um generally in the wild it's a lot less than it is when they're under human care um because it's a lot more controllable. Is there um, infanticide among dolphins? Is there a what? Infanticide? Like, will the male kill the babies or no. something? No. No. Um, no, the, the moms typically kind of get everybody away, and, and they're pretty good at being moms, typically. I mean, but each one, I've seen one dolphin being not a good mom and be really aloof to the baby, and, and that baby had problems. And they lactate? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they feed... They, they breastfeed. Mm-hmm. How many nipples do they have? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I've never counted. I never thought of it before. <laughs> yeah. But dogs have like six or something. Yeah, I have a video of a baby feeding. Right. But if they only have one at a time, then they probably only have two nipples. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. Have you ever read um, the, uh, the Aquatic Ape? No, you told me about that. Yeah. That's... I, I want to read it. It's 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 one of these things that is discounted by you know serious scientists just scoff sure, at of it. Course. And honestly, I haven't spent the time necessary to really come down strongly one way or the other. Yeah. But there's some really interesting yeah um, elements to her argument. I'm mean, briefly the I it well I say her. It's uh, Elaine Morgan has wrote the the book The Aquatic Ape, but she's carrying forward uh, a, uh, an idea that came to her from her professor back in the early 60s who's long since dead. Yeah. Um, so it's not really her theory originally. But and the idea is that there are a lot of things about human beings that are unique among apes. Like, for example, that you can drop an infant in the water and the infant knows to hold his breath. Right. No, you drop a chimpanzee in the water, they breathe and die. You right. know, boom. Um, the, the subcutaneous body fat of human beings and particularly of babies um the the you know the floating breasts of women the salinity of our tears no other ape has saltwater tears Mm. you know right and here we have the salinity of our tears and our blood is the same as the salinity of the ocean water that's weird you know and we're the only ape that's got that um the oil ducts on our head and shoulders um, other apes don't have that. Right. Why do we have all this oil and we get acne on our shoulders and our necks right. and all that yeah. and our faces, right? It, 
so all these these things sort of contribute to this idea that at some point in the distant human past, uh, our our line spent significant time in tidal waters. Yeah, and uh, so we're sort of uh, adapted uh, at some level to an aquatic environment, and then there was a split. And one side of that split became dolphins, and the other side went back to land and became us. So uh, that's why we've got so much in common with dolphins. Like anatomically, right? Uh, if you open up a dead dolphin, the the organs look just like human organs. Hmm. It's you know everything's in the same place, same size. Even the brain is extremely similar. Yeah, you know so. Uh, if you do have a baby, uh, a dolphin baby, it, yeah. it would be a very interesting well, experiment. I'll keep you boasted. Uh, Stalin set up an experiment in Cuba where he was trying to um, mate chimpanzees with humans yeah. in order to create uh, perfect soldiers. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. This is like in the 30s, I think. There's this, tr- this breeding program in China. <laughs> they were sending these Russian soldiers to Cuba to fuck chimpanzees. Wow. Yeah. And that was a required thing you had to do? It's your duty to yeah. your country. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> do it for Mother Russia. Yeah, yeah. If you care. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Patriotic <right>. or not. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, all right, I I, yeah. I pulled you away from something to, to to go into that. What the hell were you talking about? Um, uh, I don't know. We were talking about dolphins. Oh, the personalities, right? Yeah. And that they're not like cute, funny no, puppy dogs. They, no, like when you complex. get when you get past that level and you start being with them in a free space, you, you they're strong. They're they're smart. In Have you been ways. hurt? Have you been uh, bitten? Or no, I've been bumped a little. Yeah, um, just to sort of. There was one, one of the male dolphins, and I had a few moments, and <laughs> and uh, you know he doesn't always like it when I'm with the girls, and he let me know sometimes. Is there like an alpha male kind of vibe? Just depends on the mood. Like mm. if he's really up for sex, and the girls are getting distracted because I'm swimming in the water, it's usually no big deal. But occasionally, he, you know, you'll be swimming, and he'll bullet right coming at my face, go, ah, open his mouth wide in my face, and then manage to miss me. Um, and it's scary as shit. Oh, bad. And, you know, there's been times where he's taken his nose and, like, n- knocked me. <laughs> like, like in the arm and in my one time he did it right on my, behind my wrist and he just went think like and it was the most gentle thing but I felt it to my bone how like yeah. it was like that power right. of like whoa that was yeah soft, like a, like when a car hits you even though it's going really slow yeah there's that there's yeah you feel it was you're like, not like, resisting yeah you're not pushing back <laughs> right yeah. And, and, you know, so there was a moment of my time that I would get nervous before I got in the water every time. Yeah. And there's still sometimes I do because you're going into their environment. And when you do it in a more free space as opposed to this structured stuff, um, you don't know what's going on with them today. So you, do you these are captive dolphins? Right, yeah. and they've been born in a, in captivity. Yeah, um, so so they they live in ocean water within the the, the canals, and they've all been born there. Um, it it's it's been a significant amount. It's been over decades since 
it, you were allowed to go and without federal right um, approval to go out and ca- and capture dolphins. Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering, like, you know, when you're talking about their personalities and your interactions with them and so on, I wonder how different, if at all, it would be if you were dealing with free swimming dolphins. I've done that. Um, I've I've swam out off of Bimini and, and the islands and, and uh, been in pods of them and, and it's very similar. Really? Yeah. So you don't feel like the ones you're dealing with are, are you know mentally distorted or emotionally freaked out in some way? No. I, I think the... Okay, bottlenose dolphins uh, are typically the, the m- more aggressive type of dolphin. Um, they, they don't travel as much in pods. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, the two males will team up to get girls, or they know how to work together. But often, when you're out in open ocean and you're amongst a pod of dolphins, they won't be bottlenose. Bottlenose are large-brained, so they and they tend to be the ones we relate to the most because we've grown up with them. Um, but they're they're capable of learning and they're smarter in certain ways. But the um, but when I'm out in the ocean swimming with dolphins, I'll occasionally see a single lone bottlenose dolphin. And they will be a little bit more harsh with you um, as opposed to spinner dolphins or spotted dolphins where spotted dolphins, there'll be groups of them and, and they'll swim up around you and they're curious and they, they check you out and, and, and do this. I think the difference is, is in those scenarios... The dolphins out in the wild are potentially a little more curious to to come to you. Where where these dolphins, some days they want to hang out with you, other days they don't. Yeah, you know, more like a friend. Well, and that could be happening in the wild too. If they don't, they just swim by. You never see them. Right. right. Are you said something earlier about eye contact? Are they is eye contact an important thing for them? Um. Well. I don't know what it is for them, but it's important for me because I want to make sure, like, hey, we're cool here. Um, And you can tell from looking in her eye if if she's agitated or... Yeah, you can tell if she... What it is more is, am I interested to be focused on you? And if I stay here and I'm focused on you, that's usually a good thing. Ah, okay. Um, if, If my eye is kind of, like, not really connecting to you, I don't really want to do this... You know, I'm not that interested. So it's like just to gauge the level of, of the connection of that moment. Um, Do females menstruate? Uh, not that I know of. That would be weird. You don't want to be <laughs> bleeding in the ocean. Yeah, I, I've never seen that. Huh. Um, I mean, I've seen get, they, get they shit a lot. Get back to me on the nipple yeah, thing. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Did you yeah. read about this, this diver recently who was diving with a whale and the whale shat? And he was suddenly engulfed in this huge cloud of <laughs> no. whale shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is like three weeks ago or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. It must have been a memorable. <laughs> I guess so, thing. yeah. yeah. <laughs> those, are those moments in life you wait for. Yeah. yeah. I bet George um, Clooney never experienced yeah, that. Yeah, maybe yeah. not. Not yet. So do you want to talk about the film? We, I don't know to what extent you want yeah, to get into I this mean, or... So far, um, it, I've been developing it for, you know, the past two and a half years, 
getting to understand it, but the past six months aggressively where I've, uh, you know, the script is complete. Um, I've attached people working with me. Um, and it's the story of this guy's life? It's, yeah, it's the story of, of the kid, but um, the way that I've manufactured it to be a movie is, uh, you know, like I had this experience on a movie I was directing a few years ago, and it was one of those migraine-driven things where you're killing yourself to try to do the best you can, and, and there are obstacles and people that don't allow you to uh, do that when you're just the hired guy. And I started getting all these migraines, and I was staying up all night fuming and saying, why am I killing myself for this shit that I don't care about? I got to go back and find a project that I want to make because it had been six, seven years since I didn't mm. just take jobs. Right. And I was searching all night. And uh, in the thought process, it was like I started thinking about being a kid and going to the movie theater. And the movie that I saw more times than any other movie in the theater was E.T. And I started thinking about E.T. and and how... I think I saw it 15 times in the theater, then waited 10 years for it to come out on video, you know, because back then a movie would play in the theater for a year or more. Video releases were like, no, not until we really decide that we can't release the movie again in the right, theater. Right. <laughs> you know, and, Squeeze and, that lemon. And, right. And uh, so, so I really got in this mindset of like, what's, there's no more ETs for our generation. And, I started studying that movie and I started breaking down all of the nuances of like the subtle themes in that movie. And I don't think anybody ever notices that the whole theme of that movie is Elliot is this sort of like little bratty kid in the beginning that doesn't care about anybody else. And he meets E.T. and E.T. can't communicate through words. But he does have this manner of letting Elliot feel how he feels. Mm. So that's how E.T. communicates. He communicates through imposing feeling into people. So Elliot is sitting at home sick, I mean at school, while E.T.'s drinking beer and Elliot's feeling getting drunk. And then all of a sudden, E.T.'s looking at this comic book of like showing a guy in outer space and getting back. And, and Elliot's at school and starts feeling compassion that E.T. is feeling and starts releasing all the frogs. And so Elliot... The theme of that whole movie is Elliot learns how to put someone else in front of himself and, and to care about someone else's needs more than his own. And so there's all these subtle nuances, and I started going, wow, it's, it's actually such a smart equation in all these ways of a movie, which is probably why it lasted so long, even though you're just having this phenomenal experience because it's this extraterrestrial that looks really interesting and cute and ugly and adorable right. and, and all no, these things. It's got to have some mythological right. basis. Yeah. And, and so, so then I came upon this story with the kid and the dolphin, mm. and, it, and it kind of resonated in that same way, and I became determined, okay, I'm going to do the best I can to make my version of E.T., out of this yeah and so the movie has is a pretty large scope it's a big budget it's um like the visual effects team that did gravity is who i've attached because there's these massive sequences where hurricane andrew hits um while they're working together or wow. being together yeah and and so 
it, it's a significantly um, challenging project because you're dealing with a, a kid, you're dealing with dolphins, you're dealing with shooting in the water, which is always slow, yeah. and then you're dealing with some significant effects sequences. So, uh, so it's pretty ambitious, but I've got a lot of support already, and I've got some of the most amazing people working on it uh, in various forms of... So is this with a major studio? No, no, no. Right now, it's all just Independent. independently financed. So far, I, I'm still, I'm still financing. I'm still raising funds. I just have enough to begin. Right. Um, so right now, I'm I'm at I'm working with a company that's amazing that has worked on huge, huge movies, um, doing all of the storyboarding and and what is called pre visualization, where you you build kind of a very rudimentary animated version of all of the key effect sequences and it takes months so we're, we've already just begun mm. that and doing concept art to, wow. to come up with um, so everybody has like a, a blueprint of here's, here's this beautiful concept art of what each sequence looks like go let's make this and then you have these, these uh, animated sequences so all the department heads have a blueprint to know okay how are we going to do this and so I've worked with the dolphins for four months to to train and understand what they can and can't do and how to approach them. And I've got support from a number of different facilities around in different countries uh, for where to go and shoot. So is so this the biggest movie you've you've by by far? 20. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was yeah, going to yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is a big project. Holy it's, it's shit! It's pretty massive. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's. Uh, it's just as hard to do a small one, um, and even harder because there's no uh, there's no justification to make a small movie because typically it's not going to make any money back. So mm-hmm. nobody gives you the money, so you have to do ten times the work. Where this movie, it justifies a return, and you can prove it. And so it's a lot easier for people to to embrace. Yeah, somebody I don't remember who it was, but some writer who wrote a long book the uh somebody said to him it's a really good book but why is it so long and his answer was i didn't have time to write a shorter one it's it's true man <laughs> well my my first draft of every script that i write is about 60 pages too long yeah because it's easy if i if i don't have to like if i don't have the restraints of time and page count i can write the most amazing thing quick but uh, to beat it down to fit a structure that fits a, a, a length that equates to a movie and hitting all the points, you have to crush everything out, find ways to take five different events that happened in that story and turn it into one. And so, you know, it's kind of that jokey thing. And I, I've already thought, you know, the people that want to are going to say, oh, wow, well, th- which parts were true? This wasn't true. It's like find a documentary that's true. You're you're not you're yeah. not you're not going to right. everything that's based on a true story is not the true story. Right. Uh, you do the best you can to tell a story, and yeah, and to capture the essence, the essence of the story that's and the doing. inspiration yeah. Yeah. that you get from from the experience. Uh, but yeah, it, that's the biggest challenge, man. Like it, it, it took me three months to write the first draft. It took me two months to compress that down from 130 pages to 100 pages and I just spent another five weeks on the second draft which was basically a complete overhaul but now it's at 105 pages and I'm happy wow, wow. <laughs> yeah so when do, do you have a schedule 
sort of? Um, I well, mean, it depends on financing. It I'm depends sure, on but. financing, but uh, right now, of all of the things in place, we have four months of work on all of the visual effects prep stuff, and, and it'll take four months to build an animatronic dolphin. Animatronic <laughs> dolphin? Yeah. Do you get to keep it when it's I over? I get to keep it, yeah. It'll be in your bathtub? <laughs> it, it will be in my storage <laughs> really? unit. Really? That's great. <laughs> Along with everything else. Right. Yeah. I've got I've got a storage unit in Spain. i got a storage unit in Portland. It's like, I'm, right. when did I become storage guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally, yeah. man. Um, it's hard to be a hunter-gatherer, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah. In the modern age. Uh, <laughs> well, that's that's exciting, man. Yeah, that, it's pretty cool. Are you feeling overwhelmed by it? Are you going through the cycle of despair the, and the, reconstruction? The, the busier, or you have outgrown you, that shit? The busier I am, the better I feel. Like, mm. when I know... The worst day is when I don't know what I'm supposed to do today, yeah. you know? So now my days are more full than they may have been in my whole life. Um, and they're just getting more and more full. Because this is expanding into so many other things. Because yeah. now I'm I'm becoming a, a voice of thoughtfulness within the industry of marine mammals. Right. Um, there's been a lot of uh, disarray in this industry for the past couple of years because of the cove and, and blackfish and all these things. So I'm trying to take a stance of how do how do you make this all good? Yeah. Um, so actually so, make it good, not make right. it look good. Right. Yeah. And and so in some strange way, people are starting to listen to me within this industry because I think I. I have a, an eye from the outside that that they don't maybe uh, see as as well. Um, yeah. Well, you've got an eye from outside, and you also have uh, a, a very refined sense of how media works. So it's a question of here's what you need to do, and here's how it needs to be presented right. together. Yeah, I know you don't want to talk about this too much because there's stuff going on, and sure. you don't want to get ahead of it, but... Um, you and I talked last time, for people who are wondering, because we're not going to get into this now, but you and I talked last time a lot about the ethics of the whole marine mammal thing and dolphins in captivity and orcas, and you know we covered a lot of that. So right. people won't think we're just glossing over that if they <laughs> want to hear your opinions and, and views, which sort of, um, if I could summarize them, uh, it's complicated. <laughs> it's very layered and very complicated, yeah. but... It's overwhelmingly humane. It's overwhelmingly um, progressive and very realistic about the positive sides and the negative sides uh, of the industry. And the it's very easy to build a negative story. Yeah. And it's very easy to grab on to uh, a negative trend to just see those negative stories. But... The average amount of people who are seeing this sad video, they don't realize that's not really the way it is. And they don't also realize the impact of so many other layers of what goes on behind anything, whether that's political, whether it's in corporations, or whether it's in marine mammals. And so it's not as cut and dry as I think a lot of the activists and a lot of the, the, the things you'll see on Facebook yeah. really paint it. Um, there's yeah. a lot more to it. it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Listen, uh, especially in light of the fact that your days are so full, I really appreciate you taking all this time. Well, it's your birthday, man. <laughs> and it's the same with you. Really I, I don't know birthday. when we're going to... Well, I, I just know. told you that so you'd make time for me. <laughs> yeah, but it's the same with you. I never know when, when you're going to be around yeah. and when I'm going to see you. So yeah. it's always a bonus when you are. You know, it, it bums me out in a way. Like, L.A., I, I, there are, you know, of the people I love in life, half of them are in L.A. Yeah. I just hate L.A., though. <laughs> yeah. I hate it. I, I mean, I miss you. I miss my yeah. family. I miss, I've got some really good friends here. But it took me an hour and a half yeah. to get here today, you Be- know? It's because... It, it, the problem is, is if you if you would think about it as if this is L.A., but over there where Beverly Hills is, that's San Diego, yeah, and where you're staying is fucking is Idaho. Riverside, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But because everybody thinks of it's all L.A., but it's not. It's yeah. too big, man. So yeah. it's it, you're, you're if you lived in some little state, driving to go see your aunt. Oh, she lives thirty minutes away. That's what it is here. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, it's L.A., but it's I don't go to the beach, man. It takes, it, like, it takes, <laughs> it takes an hour long. to go there. Exactly. Yeah, you need to be like helicopter rich totally. to live here. Yeah. Although you can't really take a helicopter no, to the beach you can't either. Do that. Can you? Well, you know. Yeah, and the idea of public transportation ever being functional here is never no. going to happen. Nobody no. will let it happen. Um, as much as they've tried, nobody in Beverly Hills wants somebody to pay a buck to be able to come to Beverly Hills. <laughs> From South Central. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> right. Exactly. There are reasons for that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so I, in all honesty, I, I'm from here. I've moved away a lot. And I get what sucks about it. And I get what's good about it. And I would feel totally fine having this just be home and everything if real estate was a little more gentle mm. like but but now it's so hard to stomach oh wow yeah great deal this just came up 1.8 and it's like you don't have you know an office <laughs> you don't have a yard right. <laughs> you don't have a, you can't get earthquake insurance right yeah and and especially a life like you're living and and I'm living is like I'm not even there half you the year. You move around a lot. What am I doing? I'm I paying know. all this money for, you Last know. year, <sighs> last year, I was in L.A. probably two months. And and my rent's $3,500, man. <laughs> like, like, it's an expensive storage unit. Right, right. And I have <laughs> two storage units. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. So it's not smart. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Well, I hope the movie's a big success so you can afford it. Right. Yeah. It has to be now. But that's the thing. You start to, like, put these things on yourself and you have to deliver. Yeah. You know, and that's, like, you have to figure out ways to do that as an adult without children. Because yeah. when you have children, you don't have a choice. Right. But when you don't have children, you you, you can just be, like, an absolute useless human. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's... <laughs> but what's the downside? The downside <laughs> is you have to live in a shit box yeah. and you have to kind of go shopping at a shitty store and you think about money. That doesn't that's not fun. Yeah. Like I don't want to spend my life thinking about a coupon or like not being able to go get food. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's funny that like that's a change in my life since, you know, since I went from English teacher to you know, best-selling author. Like, I can go 
out for dinner without thinking, right. do I have enough money to pay for this? Right. You know, um, and that's the, like that's the level of wealth that I've attained, right? right. Like, I, and I'm not talking about a fancy dinner. I'm talking about burgers, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I've got thirty dollars yeah. in that account. Right. I'm sure of it. You yeah. Know? Uh, and I went, and yeah, five years ago I wasn't. Five years ago totally. it was like you know I always paid cash because I, I don't know what I've got in the bank. Uh, not no, much. You, you know? and I, since we've met, we have significantly increased our capacity to live, and that isn't just by magic it you know you put the time in you have a thoughtful idea and then you back it up so it's possible like we've done it at our later stages uh so there's no reason why not like yeah and i don't plan you you can't go back i mean i i can't go back i can't to being poor yeah Uh, like that's not an option I will first go and live in, you know, a small island off of Thailand or something. I I would Mm -hmm. never try to live out my life here, like, struggling whether if I can afford to have this, you know, meal. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's it's a trap, but... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I I don't know. Living on an island off the coast of Thailand doesn't sound half bad to me. I... It's not. I uh, I've spent a lot of time on those islands. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, learning Thai doesn't strike me as possible. That, but I tried, man. Yeah, it's I did so too. hard. I did it's too. so hard. I hired someone to teach me, and the you know, with, in like half an hour into the first lesson, I realized this was never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. When she explained the tonal thing, right? Like, oh. No, like. Oh, you just said three different words because I didn't hear any. (laughs) I said one. Wing chow, wing chow, wing chow, (laughs) wing chow. Like, what? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Another thing I'm never going to (laughs) learn. No, no, it's not going to (laughs) happen. But at least, see, I think that's one of the keys uh, to getting, like, to wisdom as you age is recognizing immediately that that ain't gonna gonna happen happen. (laughs) (laughs) don't waste time don't give it a try no just like oh that oh that woman i'm never gonna fuck her so i'm not even gonna buy her a drink right right forget not even gonna walk that direction right and and (laughs) and the, the worst is like when the people come in our age of knowledge and and they said and they try to convince you that, no, you can do it. It's fine. No, I'm not going to do right. it. I'm going to pay somebody to do it. I would rather miss a day of eating. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only... I get, a, I get a lot of emails from people listening to this podcast asking for advice. You yeah. Because a lot of the listeners, at least judging by the emails, are people in their 20s. Right. And, uh, you know, and they're attracted to like, oh, I've traveled and I've, you know, whatever. Right. And so they're sort of asking for advice. And, and I'm not comfortable giving advice. Really? I want to give advice. Let's give it. Okay. Right. The only advice I'm comfortable giving <laughs> is, is this. Is, like, the fact that she's hot does not mean that you should try to be with her or him, whatever. It, it doesn't mean they're going to be a good partner. Exactly. It doesn't mean anything good. It Usually it means the opposite. Right. Exactly. Because, it, yeah. It, if so, you're already working towards it and it's not kind of meshing in some way. Walk away. 
it's going to yeah. stay that way, only in a worse manner. It'll get worse and you're because you've invested in it. Pay for it exactly. Like, yeah. and you're going to pay for it in any way that it's you, the, any way that you can't even imagine. It's going to be an emotional. It's going to be sacrificial. It's going to be you're going to ruin your relationship with your family your in some way, you, and you yeah. will come out the other side having to rebuild and recover yeah. in a manner that's way harder. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly but, it. So he, here's my big thing, and me and Jordan uh, talk about this a lot. And when when it comes to girls or liking this or that, or, like, and it also is true not only with, with with relationships but with business or career. Most of us have this delusional entitlement that I can do that because I know I can do it. But there's no proof that you can do it, so why should you pay me to do it? So this holds true both in relationships and in careers. Like, the girls that I tend to meet and why I tend to stay single over this past period of time, in this city especially, there's a lot of attractive women. But what they have no concept of is... Aside from being maybe sexy and I get to interact with your body, what is your value in this relationship? And they don't have that concept. You, you used to have a very defined familial structure where the man worked all day mm. and the woman worked on the family all day. Right. Now, girls don't like that. They don't want to be... First of all, you can barely afford it, right? To have a single working family. So now the girl has to work. And now we have to work as partners on the house or the home or the life or the family or making a holiday or this kind of shit. But that seems to be absent in most women that I meet's thought process now is what am I actually bringing to you? Because I know what I'm fucking bringing to you. I'm going to bring you a pretty good life. Um, yeah. I'm going to be there in all of these ways. I can take care of these things. I can do this. I can do this. I can be your therapist. I can be your father if you need that some days. I can be your partner. I can give you support. I can give you financial support. I can give you advice. Usually I can help figure out what you need to do in your career. I know what I bring to you. But I've yet to see a girl in quite some time who understands that I have these values and I can bring those to whatever I do. It's mostly about an idea of what I'd like to be or an idea of what I'd like to do and I don't think about anything else except for I got to stay good looking. Yeah. And it's the same in career. Because that's the value the va- is, the, is the good looking. Right. And, you know, you get beyond a certain point in life and I, I don't mean necessarily in age, just in, in, in intelligence. Yeah. Who gives a shit? Right. That's cool for a minute. And yeah. it's a part of an equation that's important. You need to be attracted enough to the person to stimulate the rest. Right. But, but the rest is way more important. Yeah. And it's the same in business. People want to do shit, but they don't thoughtfully think through. If I want to do work for that guy, how do I prove my value to that guy? Yeah. What can I uh, proactively do? for free to prove with with viable evidence that what I do brings value to your business. 
this the, the idea of value is something that especially this generation has no concept of mm. and and I think that's the biggest thing that's missing in in everybody that's confused about what to do in your life if you have an idea figure out how to improve your value surrounding that idea mm-hmm. you know yeah I mean whatever yeah <laughs> like, no you're right you're right and and it's like you said it's the same in in career i i feel like it's a very it's a difficult thing for people to understand because it's so subversive it's so against the mainstream message which is you can do anything you're great you, because you know, you're you just you're do you yeah, yeah. and you yeah you're unique you're a butterfly you're a snowflake <laughs> whatever the fuck you are but <laughs> It's like no, you're just another fucking schmuck until you prove otherwise. Exactly, and 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 also like the the you can do anything thing. No, you can't. No, you can't. People, here's here's how I always think of this. People say, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna swim because I want a swimmer's body like the guys I see in the Olympics." Like, no, you dumbass. You see those guys in the Olympics because they have swimmers' bodies. You don't get that body from swimming. I was thinking about this driving over here today, driving through Beverly Hills, and it's like, so you think if you move to Beverly Hills, you're going to get rich? Yeah, right. If you just hang out there, talk to the fucking homeless guy on Sunset about how rich you get when you hang out in Beverly Hills. That's not how it works. It's the opposite of that. No, <laughs> you got to be thoughtful, and it's full on. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But I think not having kids to sort of bring this all around back around. I think not having kids, in some ways, it's a huge sacrifice. If you know, obviously, if you ever wanted to have kids, I never did, so it wasn't a sacrifice for me. But it 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 allows you to do what we started this conversation talking about: floating, moving following your interests yeah right i mean i wrote this book about sex and i don't know if i've you and i talked about this but when i you know then suddenly every publisher wanted my next book right because right. i was the yeah, hot yeah, yeah. thing and so and i wanted to switch agents because i wasn't happy with the, right. the way the first agency dealt with things so i was talking to different agents and i had this idea for the like perfect follow-up book to sex at dawn which was going to be about it was, it was going to be about adultery and the way people in different cultures deal with this conundrum of wanting long-term stability, but also novelty and all that. And yeah. So I had this whole idea, and I pitched it to a couple of different agents, and they all said the same thing to me, which was, yeah, okay, you know, we could definitely sell that book. That makes sense. But if you do that book, your career is you're going to be the sex that guy. guy. Right. Yeah. You're going to be the modern-day Kinsey. Yeah. And that's great. I mean, that's great. But, and then they were like, what other ideas do you have? And I told them about this other idea. And they're like, yeah, you do that. Then you're the big idea guy. Right. Then you're with Talib and, and Gladwell. And you're in that realm. Right. Where you can write about anything. Right. But you write it the way you write it. Right. And that's a whole different game than being the sex guy. Right. And I feel like. That's the kind of thing that can only happen if you don't have kids. Because if you have kids, you need the guaranteed money. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you're not like, yeah, eh, fuck yeah. it. Why not? No. I'll try it. You don't try it if you get, I, unless you're independently wealthy or I your wife be is in rich. a band. I couldn't be hanging yeah. out learning how to be with dolphins right. and handicapped children. I couldn't do any of the things that I've done. Go live in, in Miami for four months or five months. Right. Yeah. Even if your wife's a, you know making tons of money and shit, you can't leave your can't family just and just go do that. Uh-uh. Yeah, no, that's rough. So, you know, ideally, for all the young people that are confused, 
they get the right mindset earlier than we did. <laughs> and, 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 no, you can't get no, it earlier. No, that's Takes the thing. I, I, I was don't never have kids. not. That's I was, the... Yeah, I mean, you got to make choices. Yeah. Do you want a family? Then you got to make choices that suit that situation. Yeah. Um, and I didn't... Um, I'm still trying to prove myself. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, if you don't have kids, you get, like, the huge carbon offset credit, man. <laughs> I mean, you can fly all you want, man. Fuck right. <laughs> it. Right. I'm going to fly just to rack up the miles. I don't even want to go anywhere. Right. All right. Well, listen, we're pushing two hours wow. here. I, right. uh, I, I got to yeah. get in my car and drive nine hours oh, back to Topanga. Yeah. Well, at least now it looks like you missed the traffic. Yeah, it looks pretty calm down there. <laughs> Hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate you. Yeah, it's good to see you. And don't get too know. fucking famous, huh? Mm, that'll you know, be rough. I mean, still let me come around. And... You don't get that famous being a director. <laughs> you ever meet Steven Spielberg? <laughs> no. Yeah. See. <laughs> he said, "Baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you wanna feel. Say what you wanna say." You're gonna die one day For example, I could kiss you Just because I want to What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say to the ground.